Hello everyone and welcome to All Things Watched. In this video we are going to talk about episode 4 of the brand new Marvel original multiversal anime known as What If. And this is episode 4 of season 2 of What If, which was titled What If Iron Man Crashed Into the Grand Master and this is a very exciting episode and really made me super excited because this is an episode that actually is a continuation from the Multiversal Avengers team that was put together in season one by the Watcher in order for them to come together to fight this Ultron or Ultron that had the Infinity Stones so that was really exciting to me and in fact when this episode began it actually started with a previous on uh, on what ifs and so that alone was enough to make me super excited because I absolutely loved this multiversal team because in season one we had an origin story to all of the characters except for Gamora and this is Gamora's origin story and so the episode begins with the lineup of the previous Avengers and we see everyone there. We see, you know, Black Widow, we see Age, uh, Captain Carter uh, or Captain Britain, uh, you know, we see, uh, you know, Star-Lord who was actually T'Challa. We see, you know, the, uh, the Dark uh, Doctor Strange and we see everybody that was there from the lineup in season one and we see everybody except for Gamora and of course um you know, and of course, we end up getting a really cool scene then of Gamora, and she's here, you know, fighting uh, the, what, what, for the sake of this video, we'll call him Infinity Ultron, and so she's here fighting him, uh, which really was a lot like a flashback to the, uh, to season one, but it was just really cool <clears throat> to see the team once again, and it was, now it's really exciting to actually get the opportunity to see the origin story of Gamora. And how she ends up getting sucked in uh, to the team and why the Watcher actually counted her worthy and why she, he seen her as a hero as opposed to a foe. And so we get the opening sequence. And then right after the opening sequence, we see now, uh, you know, the Watcher starts to lay down the world and starts to explain this world and this alternate reality. And we actually get to the, uh, the scene from the original Avengers movie, which is Iron Man making that sacrifice and willing to cut the wire and put his own life on the line for the sake of saving humanity. And this time when he lets go of the nuclear bomb, the, the portal actually ends up closing and he does not make it back to Earth. Now, one thing that I did wonder a little bit, I was curious as to how this was able to cause him to sort of, you know, teleport to a different location. But I just sort of summed it up in the sense that this was a an Infinity Stone. It was the Tesseract, which was the, uh, the Space Stone, which allowed you to control space. And so I just sort of chalked it up as he's sort of falling through the hole and falling through the portal just as it shuts and it sort of you know transfers him somewhere else so it doesn't really it's almost like he goes through the hole as it closes so rather than him making it all the way through I just sort of chalked it up as it ends up causing him to go into sort of like a warp hole and sending him to of course Sakaar and when he ends up coming to he sees um, you know he's, he sees the Grand Master here 
standing over him. Once again, it was really nice to see Jeff Goldman return and voice uh, uh, Jeff or uh, to, to, to voice Grandmaster. Now, Robert Downey Jr. did not return as Iron Man, but the person that actually voiced Iron Man was named uh, his name is Mick Wingert, I believe is how you pronounce his name, and he honestly was even though you could sometimes tell that it wasn't actually Iron Man, he did a really good job voicing the character, and he still kept that Tony Stark charisma. There were many times when I thought that it was actually Ronnie, Robert Downey Jr., but unfortunately it's not, but he did a phenomenal job with the voiceover. Anyways, now one thing that I can really appreciate about this episode was the amount of detail they put into Tony's character, because once he's actually here with the Grandmaster, you know, the Grandmaster sort of starts to explain his way of the world and how he he's the ruler of this world and how they ends up having these sort of Mad Max type of races, which we'll get into in a second. But what I really appreciated about it here is that Tony does not want to be here whatsoever, but he's sort of forced to stay here for now. He doesn't really know how to get back home. He doesn't know, you know, probably doesn't know how to operate any of the spaceships. Uh, but one thing that I really liked was that they do show a clip here of the news where it shows him saving New York City he was able to save it and they do the Avengers still end up winning the battle for New York but what I really appreciated was that they show Pepper Potts and it has that moment which really sucks you back into that character of Tony Stark how even though he is sometimes a little narcissistic he is a little bit sometimes you know a little bit you know full of his own reputation and his own ego he still has a heart for Pepper Potts and he still absolutely loves her so I really appreciate that and I really loved that part of the scene uh, I should have actually took a screenshot of that specific shot like I should have actually done the screenshot where you see the TV but I just took this one but uh, it's all good uh, you know might not so now he sat down uh, with the Grandmaster and the Grandmaster shows him that this is how the world, way of the world is and he has these uh, these what I call Mad Max races uh, and of course uh, so we see how violent and how brutal these races are. The Grandmaster actually has these races rigged uh, you know he does throw things at these racers which is very unfair which makes it very hard for any of these people uh, or any of these racers to actually survive you know just surviving the race alone is very difficult and I've really felt like this was a combination of Star Wars and Mad Max. In fact, there's one sequence later on in another race when you can actually hear the actual, to me at least, it seemed like the actual theme that they played during the pod race in episode one of Star Wars, uh, The Phantom Menace, when uh, Darth Vader was only a child and it was Anakin and he was pod racing. To me, some of the music and some of the themes were literally identical beat for beat, but maybe that's just me. Maybe I was looking into that a little bit more than what I needed. But what we do learn is that one of the characters here in this race is, of course, Valkyr. Valkyr, uh, 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 and I was really excited to see Valkyr, especially in a What If episode, because I don't know that we've ever actually seen uh, the Valkyr uh, actually... Uh, 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 Valkyrie, sorry, actually, uh, you know, interact with someone like Tony Stark. So it was really cool to see him uh, interacting with her. It was also really cool to see him interacting with the Grand Master as well because of their personalities. You know, the Grand Master is a little narcissistic himself and has quite a big ego. So it was really cool to see those two personalities 
um, you know, bouncing off each other, and so she's in the race, and so she's trying to survive, but she ends up getting out of the race, and fortunately, uh, she actually survives, nothing really happens to her, she doesn't explode, but her, uh, like, seems like the engine, or whatever it is on her uh, race car does explode, and then, of course, when she loses, and she's out of the race, uh, the Valkyrie does exactly what she always does, and she goes over and grabs a beer, and starts drinking from the bottle, now, in the meantime, Another character that's in this race is, of course, Korg. And now there's actually a few episodes now that has Korg, because he was also in episode one with Howard the Duck. There's also a couple of episodes, I believe, with uh, Iron Man, because Iron Man was in the previous episode as well with Happy Hogan and whatnot. Or was that episode? Yeah, the previous episode. And uh, and so there seems like there's a couple of characters that are sort of, uh, you know, being in multiple episodes and whatnot. So... But it was really nice to see Korg again, and he was absolutely hilarious. And this giant monster that he's running away from is what the Grandmaster calls his champion. Now, this is a great callback and a great Easter egg to Thor Ragnarok. If you can remember back to that movie in the MCU during Phase 3, the Grand uh, the Grandmaster's champion, which was actually the Incredible Hulk, uh, which we remember Thor faced off against him, and Mark Ruffalo was in that movie. It was great. It was the last time I think we actually seen the Hulk truly rage, which is something that the MCU is missing. We need to get that Hulk back, and now is the perfect opportunity with the multiverse. You can just say that there's another raging Hulk in a different reality, in a different, uh, you know, in a different universe, and we totally need to see that and bring this in. Actually, what if would be a great opportunity to do that? We should use what if. Uh, in fact, if you really wanted to, you could actually use the anime, uh, like just a regular animated movie, World War Hulk, and that can actually now be a part of your canon because we are in the multiverse and they've also already introduced an animated multiverse in both this universe and also Sony's Spider-Man universe. So you can literally use World War Hulk now as canon if you want because you can just say it's a part of another animated alternate universe. Which would be, but it would still be really cool to see it happen in real life. And so, once Iron Man sees this and Tony Stark sees this, he ends up suiting up, or at least partly suiting up, because his suit is so damaged, he hasn't really had the opportunity to repair it. And he jumps down to try his best and stop this monster from hurting Korg, which just once again shows how heroic he is. But it also sort of made me wonder, kind of made me question, like, why? Like, why did he all of a sudden feel very connected to Korg? Like, I, I felt like it was a little bit too soon, but, you know, at the same time, you can say, well, he's just trying to be the hero. He just came from the Battle of New York, so it makes sense that he, you know, that he would stick his neck out on the line, but I did think that it was a little bit early. I don't know. I, I just thought it was a little too soon, uh, but, of course, his suit ends up failing, and Gamora ends up stepping in, and she's able to d d stop this monster from attacking, and she's able to destroy to uh, destroy this monster and basically uh, she ends up saving the day and so Gamora and so uh, at this point in time remember Gamora is still bad and she still works for Thanos and now she recognizes Iron Man uh, you know the same way that the Grandmaster was able to recognize Iron Man as well for being the person who saved the day during the Battle of New York because he has advanced technology and he was able to see the, you know, the, to see the news articles and whatnot and see the news from Earth because of the advanced technology. So it only makes sense that Gamora would have this uh, capability as well. And so she ends up 
Uh, and so, uh, you know, she ends up attacking Iron Man because she sees him as a threat, because he was fighting against the Chitari, and because he was fighting against Loki, and of course Loki was working, uh, you know, for her father. So, you know, right away Gamora sees him as a threat, and so she attacks. And because she attacks, uh, this ends up causing and allowing the Grandmaster to uh, basically capture Tony Stark, Korg, and of course Gamora. He ends up putting those electrocuting things on them, which we also seen in Thor Ragnarok, this uh, electrocution little techno technological device that he puts on their necks that he can control. Um, but one thing, and so he throws them all in the cell, and if you can remember, this is the same cell that Thor and... Uh, and I think Valkyrie was in there as well, and also uh, Hulk. Well, Hulk and Thor was definitely there, but I think Valkyrie was in there too at some point, but I could be wrong. Uh, but one thing that I did really like is that they utilized Tony Stark's intelligence and also his technology, because he was able to use his technology to just bypass the security system, and he and, he and Korg are able to escape, but he ends up barring Gamora in there and keeping her trapped in there, uh, because he doesn't want her to get out because, well, she attacked him and he sees her as a threat so he's going to leave her in this holding cell so that he and Korg can you know try and get off this planet by any means necessary but of course uh, once they uh, officially get out uh, somehow Gamora is able to get out as well and there's a really funny sort of you know back and forth between her and Tony Tony literally says her like you know hey how did you get out did you blare your way out just because she's always yelling she's always screaming she's always blowing stuff up and so she's kind of very loud and obnoxious to Tony and so it's just really funny and it really suited his character and the voice actor uh, Mick Wingert really did a great job at at his performance he really did a good job at you know uh, pushing that or or, uh, or playing that and uh, that scene and so uh and so uh gamora ends up getting trapped again she ends up getting recaptured and so tony and valkyrie and korg ends up going to the bar now i believe they actually find valkyrie at the bar so really it's only tony and korg uh who goes to the bar uh but they're able to find her there and they meet up with her and ask her basically if she's able to help them escape this planet and if so maybe you know help them get their hands on a spaceship of some sort or you know and really just do whatever it takes to get away and so Tony ends up doing what Tony does best he ends up making a design and creating a plan to escape which was a great callback to the original Iron Man movie all the way back to 2008 when he had to do the exact same thing strategize and design and engineer his way out of the taverns and the caves over in the Middle East now he's doing the exact same thing except this time on Sakaar rather than being at home in the Middle East now he's at Sakaar and I really liked how they did this for Tony they really show that he's not just very powerful with his technology but he's also extremely intelligent without his technology and quite frankly who knows what he could do here on this planet of Sakaar given the fact that it's probably more advanced than Earth and that he probably has access to technology here that he would not have on Earth especially with propulsion systems engines and all that kind of stuff and so it's a great callback, and we literally get a scene that's straight from our man one with him having the goggles on, and he's, you know, welding together parts for his new suit. And we have this really cute little, uh, you know, little alien little creature thing on his, uh, on his, uh, on his shoulder. And I think Grandmaster called it a T'Chilla, or Chichilla, I think he called it. And so here he has a T'Chilla on him. 
and uh, so it was really cool to see this uh, so many easter eggs and great callbacks to phase one of Marvel which is something that I feel uh, is really lacking in the MCU right now is that we all miss that that more grounded you know street level part of the MCU everything's so grand and grandeur now that we sort of miss a lot of that stuff so the fact that they're putting these little phase one phase two phase three elements into this episode it was really nice to see that at least for me and I also thought it was very interesting that the whole episode focuses on Tony, even though it's a Gamora origin story, or supposed to be a Gamora origin story, as to why the Watcher ends up choosing her to go on the multiversal Avengers. And so Tony, once he is done, he ends up building uh, himself this really, really cool suit. And he ends up uh, basically challenging the Grandmaster. And he tells the Grandmaster that uh, he challenges him to a race. And uh, basically, if he wins, he wants a way off of the planet. And Grandmaster says, well, if he wins and Tony loses, then he wants to take Tony's suit and this technology thing that Tony has built. <clears throat> and so Tony, of course, agrees. And, but he only agrees if, you know, by allowing Grandmaster to pick the racers and the chariots in which, you know, they will be racing. So, of course, Grandmaster ends up choosing something really, you know, fast and really cool for him. And then he gives Tony literally a chariot, like a giant wheel, <laughs> which is towing this uh, really th weird thing. And so we get to the race here, and just the graphics and the animation once again are really shining here. And Tony is going through this really cool tunnel. Like I said, it's very Mad Max. It's like Mad Max meets like the video game Ridge Racers meets, uh, you know, Blade Runner to some degree, at least in terms of the technological designs. And then, of course, uh, you know, meets obviously just the MCU and Sakaar. And so the race is going on, and then we see the coolest transformation yet from any of the technology or suits that Tony has ever built. And Tony's car ends up exploding, and while he's in the air, he basically releases his suit. If you remember that uh, that armor that he's wearing, and the suit dismantles, leaving him, and then comes back together, creating his own customized uh uh, 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 hot rod basically which is so fitting because it really fits his personality because that's what Tony was really like especially all the way back in Iron Man One, once again a great callback that was the whole reason why he you know colored the armor blue and gold and a little bit of silver but mainly blue and gold was because of his love for the hot rod and the color of the hot rod that he had down in his garage and so once again really cool callback to Tony and uh, to Tony's hot rod and it was really f fitting to see him and honestly this is what really made the episode go from like really good to great was the fact that he was able to actually do this and that he actually did this and whatnot and uh, and then of course with this uh, with now with him using his own uh, engineered race car or whatever he is able to actually use the uh, the thing that he has in his chest, the power source in his chest, which allows him to go pretty well to the uh, same speed as light. As you can see when he's passing Grandmaster, he's literally basically a form of light. So he's pretty well hitting light speeds here in his vehicle, and he ends up winning. And of course, the Grandmaster does not like this. He doesn't like the fact that Tony has beaten him. And so he basically tells Tony, well... You know, since I'm the master and the ruler of this planet, it's up to me to decide who wins and who loses. And I declare that I'm the winner and you lose. And so, of course, uh, 
Tony doesn't really know what to do at this point in time, but what happens is another race car ends up driving, and it's the race car that has that pruning stick type thing uh, on the front of it, which causes people to melt, and uh, this car is racing very quickly towards Tony, and Valkyrie ends up interfering with her vehicle, and then that pruning melting stick type thing ends up flying off, and it hits the Grandmaster, causing him to actually melt, but it doesn't actually kill him, and this is actually the only episode that I've seen so far I think that actually has a post credit scene so if you didn't know that uh, then this episode uh, episode um, episode 4 of what if does have a post credit scene but it's only the Grandmaster and, and, and another character and I won't tell you what they talk about or what's going on there but th there is a post credit scene for this episode which was pretty funny and so he ends up melting and this allows uh, and this basically ends up giving Tony and Korg and Gamora the freedom and of course Tony also is only able to win too I think it's important to remember that you know uh, Gamora you know this is Gamora's origin story as how she sort of turns good Iron Man basically talks to her and has that connection about how he had problems with his dad she has problems with her dad and how they're two of their own independent people and that they can make their own choices and that they don't need to follow into their footsteps and so this causes her to help that causes her to help him win the race and then of course we get to the very final scene which I was actually very surprised by I was not expecting to see Thanos here uh, but Gamora ends up coming to Thanos with Iron Man with Tony Stark and she pretends that she captured him and that he's under arrest and that she's going to turn him in but it turns out that it was all just a big ruse and she jumps at him uh, with that same vaporizing stick that the Grandmaster was melted on and Tony throws it in the air for her to catch and together they end up taking out Thanos and that's how this episode ends and this is why the Watcher end up choosing uh, Gamora to be on the uh, multiversal Avengers team because you know because of this act because she ends up turning and helping Tony and this is what makes her have a change of heart and then she ends up uh, working with Tony side by side to go and take out and actually defeat Thanos which was probably the only little nitpick if I was going to nitpick anything about this episode it would be that I think it would be the fact that uh, Thanos was so easily defeated you know I'm, I'm not like the first episode when Ronan ended up defeating Thanos I thought that that was a little silly and I think it's even sillier in this episode that he would be defeated just by this one little vapor thing like I don't know I just feel like the mad titan you know would be someone that you know has some kind of armor or some form of magical or some form of powerful device that would just you know that that just wouldn't work on like I, I would just think that they wouldn't even be capable of vaporizing Thanos but anyways this is a what if episode so that's the whole point of these episodes is to see an episode that probably couldn't actually happen so you know that's the whole reason why it's called what if well what if it did happen so uh, anyways either way it was a great episode I really loved seeing Tony here I thought it was a great origin to Gamora I just kind of think that Gamora should have been in there a little bit but it was absolutely fun to see Iron Man and it was great to see Tony return and they did it in a way that does not remove or take away from his sacrifice from Endgame you know Tony Stark has been in a couple of these episodes but they always do it now in in a way that makes sense it's not just you know them bringing him back and doing a new story or him being in an alternate universe doing a new story it's actually uh basically or seems pretty well like it's the same type of tony but they're doing it during a time period in which he was actually still alive so it doesn't take away from that really cool sacrifice that he made 
there are some rumors uh, that Marvel is going to be bring t uh, bringing all the original Avengers back in the multiversal saga at the very end for Secret Wars. And uh, part of me, I'm kind of sort of conflicted with that idea. Part of me is like, yeah, really cool. Let's get all the actors back. But then the other part of me is like, well, that sort of takes away from everything that they've already done. Um, I'm okay with them bringing them back as long as they conclude their stories with the multiversal saga. But I'm not okay with them bringing them back if they're going to actually keep them back, uh, you know, because that will definitely undo everything that was already done unless they bring in new versions. Like if they recast and have a new version of Iron Man, I would be okay with that. If they recast and had a new version of Captain America, they don't even really need to re re recast Captain America because he didn't technically really die. He just lived out his life with Peggy. So they could bring in another version of Cap. Uh, I definitely want to see more of um, Captain Carter and Captain Britain coming back. I think it'd be really cool to see her and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but I really enjoyed this episode all now, especially with the connections to the first season. I hope we see more of Peggy Carter. I hope we see more of that first multiversal Avengers team return. And I would love to see them expand the team, maybe add a couple more characters every season. They could just keep getting bigger and bigger and then maybe have them branch off where they got like the multiversal Illuminati, which we already seen in uh, Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness and all that cool stuff. But uh, but either way, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves here uh, and, and whatnot. So overall, I really love this episode, and I've been loving Season 2 uh, as much or even more than Season 1. I was a big fan of Season 1, but I'm a big fan of all these episodes as well so far. And uh, we've still got tons of episodes left, and I can't wait to see where all their stories go. Can't wait to see which characters come. I think there's going to be a couple new characters, so that's exciting. And all that good stuff, and uh, that's pretty well all I got. So that's my review of episode four of what if season two let me know your comments down in the comment section below let me know your thoughts tell me if you liked it tell me why or why not if you like this video click the subscribe button and until the next one take care